have covered um, two. We have covered the history of Orlando Grace Church, why we have a Discover OGC class. We've introduced ourselves to a room of strangers. Um, we have talked about what we believe in this church, uh, going from the most, you know, the things we hold tightest all the way to the things that we hold most loosely. And this week, we're, we're just going to spend time talking about why we have church membership. And uh, I will say, I've structured this class to be open to the most discussion. So if you have, I never know how this class is going to go because you could, we could go all the way down to the wire if there's lots of discussion, um, or it could be the quickest class that we have the whole time, <laughs> and, and we might be out for coffee earlier than any other class. But because I know um, there, there can be so many questions on elders and why membership, and we all come from different directions, so I just, I've, I've padded this time with a lot of freedom to do that kind of thing. So if there, if there's a week that you want that you should feel the most freedom to ask a question and have discussion it's this week and if we don't it's okay um, but I am curious how many of you um, this is just just for my own information there's no shame involved in this how many of you come from churches that would have a high view of church membership that you would say okay wow okay how many of you would come from uh, so what I call like a medium view of church membership. You have church membership, but it isn't it isn't really enacted on. It isn't really okay. That okay. And then and then there would be a really there's probably a nicer way than saying low church membership. But you have churches that would just say we don't see membership in the Bible, so we don't do membership. Does anybody come from a church like that? Okay. Like Calvary Chapel would be, you know, the, the probably the most well-known in our context of just saying membership's not in the Bible, so we're not going to do membership. Uh, and it's important to us that we have a good understanding of why we have membership, you know, why we believe that, that church membership is a great blessing um, for all of us that have the privilege of being a part of a church and why we, as, why in turn, the elders of this church take it, uh, count it as a great privilege and responsibility to um to shepherd people and to care about people. So we're just going to walk through what a lot of that means. Um, So you see, why join a church? Uh, A biblical case for church membership. Christians need relationships that are committed and relationships with a defined group of people. So there is uh, admittedly no 11th commandment that says thou shalt join a local church. (laughs) But when you read the New Testament, it, you just, it's assumed over and over again. If, if, you, if you look for it, membership is assumed. And, it, and you know, in the, you know, the first century and second century church, they were behind enemy lines. You know, I, whether they're Christians in a Jewish context or Christians in a, in a Greek, uh, Roman context with increasing persecution, you, to be a Christian required you to step so far outside of what was safe for you in that culture uh, that it was clear who was in, just by virtue of being, I mean, think about like the Chinese Christians today in many places, just by virtue of them showing up, they're communicating something just by being there. So it's really clear in a setting like that, who's in and who's out. <laughs> but it gets confusing when you get to a culture where it can benefit you to take on the role of the, the, the title of Christian. It can benefit you socially, it can benefit you even financially. Um, there are benefits to being associated with Christians in a way that, uh, that just wasn't present, I don't think, largely in, in the New, Test- New Testament church. So membership is assumed uh, in, in many ways just by showing up. 
but then you have this whole list of one another's. Uh, there's different ways to count the one another's. It, I mean, it can be between, I've heard like 64 to 68, maybe one another's, depending on what qualifies. But we as Christians are commanded to do all these one another's. And then so there's this question, who who do we carry these things out with? Is it, is it the command literally with everyone around us? Do, do I need to feel the burden to, we'll walk through some of these things, love one another. Okay, do, is my call, um, hey, I certainly want to be loving, and I'm not going to limit my love to people inside the church membership, but um, but the command to love one another is, is um, it's different with the masses than it is your, your family and your church family. Um, but you see, love the brotherhood of believers, so that Peter clarifies what that means. Um, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong <laughs> to the family of believers. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not try to please ourselves. Um, share with God's people who are in need. So, so over and over, you see this this assumption that the these one another's are carried out, especially this one to love one another. There's we want to be loving to all people, but it's especially true in in uh, with God's people and in, in your church family. Um, now that you know, again, in our context where we have believing friends in New City Presbyterian Church and First Presbyterian Church and First Baptist Church. Yes, I say to some extent this would, if, if you give, have a close relationship with another believer in another church, we, I would extend it there. Um, but it's just especially true among the, the, the people that you're covenanting with and worshiping with on, on a weekly basis. So love one another, encourage one another, um, encourage one another, build each other up. Uh, consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Uh, again, I, I hope to be encouraging people outside the church, but there's a special um, responsibility if somebody in this church is discouraged and down and out that we have to come alongside them and do whatever we can to encourage that family. And, and in my short tenure here, um, I have had the great privilege of being able to come along some some families in in some of the hardest circumstances imaginable, and uh, and it was really encouraging. Not to, to me, not just to see me come along this family and encourage them, but the elders and those in the community group to come along one family in in particular and encourage them in a in an incredibly difficult season. So, but that's that's that we need to know who we do this with. Um, guard one another. You know, if. <laughs> If I knew, you know, if I could see into the future and I knew that I was going to go off the deep end, I knew that I was going to, you know, leave my wife, leave my family, squander our money, um, I would want to take some measures now to make sure that, that we're guarded, that we're in a, in a community of people who will do everything they can to pursue me, do everything they can to pull me back, and certainly take care of my family. Um, and, and so that's part of what guarding is, is, is guarding us um, in our doctrines and our decisions and, and, and making sure, doing whatever we can to help everyone in this church be in a healthy place where we are, uh, where we're flourishing and, and fruitful. I have a, I have a good friend. Um, when I was back in Starkville, uh, Starkville, Mississippi, he was in my community group and he was my Sunday school teacher. And he went off the deep end, and he um, renounced his faith. I mean, it was a slow process, but it was, I mean, it was over six months maybe. Um, left his wife, left his family, 
it was horrible to see, and we were all pursuing him. I mean, the church was pursuing him, and that, that was encouraging to see, but what was really sweet is to see the way the whole church came around that family. Um, and, and this is a church that I would say is medium membership, <laughs> you know, but, but they still, they loved their people well. They pursued this family. They took care of these kids. And even when, um, some of you know my wife had cancer when we were in Charlottesville just a few weeks after we moved there. And we, we had just joined First Baptist Church of Startville. And the way that that church came around us and loved us and, and carried us, and they didn't know us. We were brand new members, but because we were members of that church, they, I mean, they just rallied the troops. And I mean, I, we didn't need to make or buy a meal for like the next six months. And, you know, we had this newborn that was taken care of at every, whatever we need was needed was provided. And, and it's because that church really took seriously the, the call to guard one another, encourage one another. Um, in difficult times. And so ch- being a church membership, if you hear nothing else, it's, it is a real tangible way that God loves his people, that he, he puts us in these communities where we are able to grow and thrive. Uh, and it is very much, um, as you, um, well, I'm going to get to preventive in a second. Obey your leaders, okay? How, how, do you, how do you do that if you don't know, if there's no defined group? Um, and I always want to clarify what this thing means. Um, obey your leaders doesn't mean that if Mike Graham calls you to wash his car on a Saturday, that that's what you're supposed to do. You know, it's not. All obey your leaders means in this context is uh, you are to obey your leaders as, as they teach the scriptures. So, so like the, practically, the way you obey me as, as a pastor of this church is you're going to hear the word taught, hopefully faithfully. Uh, and, and you're going to obey the teachings of the Bible. That, that's what that means. Um, and if I start to stray from faithful teachings of the Bible, the, the way this church is wired, you, you pick who the elders are. <laughs> you, know, you pick who the pastors are. And if the church determines that the Bible is not being faithfully taught, you have recourse to be able to make sure that the Bible is faithfully taught um, by somebody whom you will obey. But does that, that make sense? I mean, so when, when Mike preaches or anybody else, I'm obeying, you know, or, and the other elders. But, but really, it's Scripture. Scripture is what we're obeying, and we're choosing men to teach Scripture uh, faithfully um, to, uh, to facilitate our own sanctification, and, and that happens through obedience. Um, and if you don't have church leadership or church membership, I mean, who, who are these leaders? I think, I think you could— Make a case for everybody from a community group leader to your boss at work. I mean, I don't, I don't, it would be harder to define. And then there's just this, this aspect of uh, preventative maintenance. So I touched on that if, you know, if I were to go haywire down the road. Um, but, you know, I, I haven't always had the, the highest view of church and church membership. I was on staff with uh, Campus Crusade for Christ for nine years, and I'm really thankful for Crew. So, so what I'm going to say in my own shortcomings, that's on me, not on anybody else. But, uh, but I had this feeling like I, my ministry is the one that really matters. I'm at the front line. I don't know what the church is doing, but I'm at the front line. And there was this arrogance. I wasn't a member of a church initially when I was overseas. Um, and there was just this arrogance about me that, that were I to be plugged into a thriving local church, I think that would have, that would have um, humbled me in, in many ways that I need to be humbled. Uh, it protects us from spiritual myopia. So in the same vein as, um, as arrogance, um, 
we can tend to think that the ministries that we're called to are the really important ones, you know, like, and we can put the ministries that we're called to on everybody else's shoulders and, and, and just feel like, you know, if, if, if we're called to invest heavily in the pro-life movement, everybody who's not walking those, you know, that sidewalk with me, you're, you're just not a, a you're not a, this kind of Christian or what I'm really called to, to invest in is overseas missions. And if you're not heavily invested in overseas missions, then you're just a second rate Christian. Or if, if we're investing in college students, if you're not doing that or foreign or, you know, international students that, you know, that that's the only ministry that really matters. And so that, that myopia, that's, you know, when we, when we are tempted to think what, what I'm doing is what really matters. But you plug into a local church with a lot of different callings and a lot of different passions, and, and you can start to see, okay, God's doing a lot of different things. And, and this is my calling, but it's not everybody's calling. Um, uh, it protects us from segregation. We will naturally spend time with people like ourselves. And, um, and I, I'm not, that's not bad. I mean, I think there's a part of our wiring. It's okay to have friends that look like us and act like us. But the church is a neat way for us to be exposed to Christians who don't look like us and don't act like us, to, to have them in our homes and to serve each other and teach each other um, and to gain real different perspectives is a blessing that um, I mean, really, I mean, only happens in like the public school, Walmart and church, <laughs> you know, I mean, there's just so few places are, we all come together and, and, and certainly the church is doing a lot that public school and Walmart is not. Um, but there, it, we are blessed to be able to be exposed to all different walks of life, and certainly the church is supposed to be that for all the, all nations, all ethnicities. When Paul says that when Jesus came, there is no longer there is no longer slave or free, there's no longer Jew or Greek. He's taking the biggest divides in the ancient world and putting them together, and then the ultimate divide, male and female. Like in, in some way, those even go away, at least with the divisions and the devaluing of a woman to a man. All of that is gone in Jesus Christ. And so that should be true of the church. And then lastly, I don't know another way to say it. It just protects us from being flaky Christians. You know, just, just flaky people, flaky Christians um, who just constantly move between churches and are never happy with something, always disgruntled and... Um, uh, you know, you watch somebody do that for long enough, and, and you can see there's just something missing in their soul uh, that they'd have if they would be okay. They'd pick a church and say, listen, there's no perfect church, but we're gonna, I'm going to hunker down. I'm going to love these people. I'm going to commit to these people. Um, yeah, it, it, church membership allows us to do that. Um, and then, all right, well, let me... Let me stop there really quickly uh, before we get to how this membership thing works out here a little more. Any questions or thoughts, comments on anything that we've touched so far? Or the three of you, if you want to add anything. I just would say, I mean, maybe you want to expand a little bit on it, but one of the things that attracted you to OGC hmm. was how we loved others in our midst well, especially our previous pastor. That was a really big part. So when um, when Angela and I, I'll give you the, the longer, slightly longer version because I know we have time. But um, so I knew when I lived in Oxford, I wanted to be a, a teaching pastor. Uh, the elders at my church had affirmed that they, they had this saying, "Jim, stay as long as you want, but it's time to go." <laughs> we love having you, but we 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 think this is you're wired to do a different set of things than you do here. Um, and so I would apply for jobs. I hadn't finished seminary yet. Um, I wasn't from Mississippi. Many of the jobs I applied for were in Mississippi. And I just never, nobody ever 
took me up on it. And I had this deep sense of God saying, I mean, a real deep sense, like, like more than just a feeling. I, I really felt like God was telling me, just wait until you finish your seminary degree. And I don't think God cares about the piece of paper so much. I think he cares about my family. And he knows I would have sunk the ship had I taken on a role like I have now and I was still trying to finish a seminary degree. So I really, but I really did. I said, all right, let me just focus on this. I won't look around and apply for other jobs. And then sure enough, a month away from graduating at RTS, three churches in Orlando called me out of nowhere. No one had ever called me before. And, and so Angela and I were like, all right, we're hearing Orlando. <laughs> I don't know which church yet, but as we looked at these churches, Orlando Grace just really rose up very quickly and very tangibly. And, and one of the things that, that we, 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 we liked in general that this was a church that valued church membership, but the way that we saw it playing out was really sweet because Kurt Heffelfinger had a horrible five years. I mean, he, if there's no part of, no fault of his own. It was kind of like Job, but he had mouth cancer and then his, you know, just his wife died, his son died, and then his jaw died and it had to be removed. And, and, and to watch this church love him. And, and, and I don't say this lightly uh, or flippantly, but love him sacrificially. They stayed with him and cared for him and didn't just boot him when, when, you know, new members weren't joining as fastly and the pulpit was being filled by, you know, in many cases, RTS students. The church stuck with him and loved him. And Angela and I, you know, we, we, we said this, this, this feels like a safe place. Um, we loved the way that, that this church loved Kurt. And, uh, and I, I don't think they did it just because they loved Kurt, although I think they did. I think they did it because they love Jesus and his church, and they take that call very, very seriously. Other thoughts or questions? I'm really good with long, awkward pauses. I've specialized in those for many years. All right, so let me ask, how many of you have been members of churches before that were elder-led? Okay. About half, which is normal, I think. Um, uh, so you a board okay so so that you have different different this is the word you want a fancy word but my uh, my daughter likes fancy Nancy do y'all know fancy Nancy a fancy word for something simple the fancy word for church governance is polity so there are different polities um, and so you know some are um, some churches you know are really deacon led that would be more the Southern Baptist uh, traditional vein. Um, Practically, a lot of those churches end up being senior pastor led. <laughs> but, um, and then you have some churches that are elder ruled, and you have a group of elders that the congregation doesn't have any say in who those elders are. The elders pick the elders, the congregation just has literally no say, and that is an elder rule environment. We are an elder led, and that the congregation does have say into who leads this church. Um, the congregation has say in, obviously, you, you voted on, well, you didn't. The church voted on me when I was, when I was being hired. The congregation had, so we're led by elders, but the church chooses who those men are and, and then vests in them certain authorities. And we're going to get to deacons here in a second. But the, the, the elders are vested with the care uh, of shepherding the souls of the people here. And so that, that looks, that, that takes on a lot of different forms um, you know, primarily scripturally, it's, it's teaching and prayer, teaching scripture and prayer. 
and, and primarily. And, but that does lend itself to decisions that have to be made about how Sunday works. And you know, when um, and, and then as Sunday grows, if you get the E news, like we're, our park, parking lot is full, and we have to we have to do something about that. So then enter deacons. So in Acts six, you can see that that deacons, also chosen by the church. They come in and they fulfill some really specific service-oriented needs that can free the elders up to care for, for the, the souls of the church. So Rick is a deacon. Um, these two are elders. And, and we work really closely to try and do everything we can to care, to care for this church in, in physical ways, in, in emotional ways, in spiritual ways. So, um, and there just can be a lot of misunderstandings when this term elder comes up, especially if you come from a, a Southern Baptist background. There tends to be a skepticism of churches with elders. Um, but I, hopefully I, I'm communicating that, uh, that these people are here to care for the church. And, and should they not do that, the church is the one that has recourse. I mean, you would look at Galatians where Paul says, uh, if anyone comes to you and teaches a gospel other than this, let them be anathema. I mean, that, that letter is to the congregation, you know? Beware of anybody who's gonna come in and teach you something that's wrong. So you, you have to be on, you have to be aware. And so, all right, practically how this plays out, this triangle, I borrowed um, a form of this triangle from a church called Capitol Hill Baptist Church in Washington, D.C. And then at my previous church, we shifted the triangle because they, the way they had it, uh, elders were at the top of the list. And I didn't like that. I wanted to shift it so the congregation was at the top of that triangle. Um, and so you can see you have three parties in this church. You have you, you have the congregation at large, and then you have the elders. And this triangle kind of shows how we interact with each other. So first, I'm going to take the left side of that triangle between you and the rest of the congregation. Because remember, at the end of the day, when you join this church, you're making a covenant not with the institution of Orlando Grace Church, not with uh, the elders of the church. You're making a, a covenant with the members of this church. And so you're, you're, um, you provide love, encouragement, and accountability to the congregation as best you can. I mean, it doesn't, obviously it's not going to be every single person, but as best you can. And that congregation is, is there to do the same for you as an individual, to provide love, encouragement, and accountability. Um, then you have you and the elders. So the elders provide oversight for you. Again, I, I use the word oversight very deliberately. They're not here to lord over anybody. <laughs> here to, well, I mean, the expectation is that we would know the people. You know, if you, there's, a, there's a prayer, um, uh, there's a uh, piece of paper that has all the members of the church. Everybody can pick it up. I, all the elders use it. I presume all the elders use it. <laughs> um, I see them using it and carrying it. But you have a group of people for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and, and each day you, care, you get to pray name by name for every person in this church. Um, and so the elders provide oversight. Um, we, we go through on a regular basis every member of this church, and the hope is that, that an elder knows how you're doing. <laughs> you know? And we're not perfect. Sometimes there's times where it's just like we don't, that we don't know where this family is or how they're doing. Okay, well, somebody go take them to lunch and make sure everything's okay. So practically, that's a lot of what oversight looks like. Um, and then you provide obedience to the elders, and we've already explained obedience is we're, we're obeying the word as it's taught. Um, and, uh, and then lastly, congregation to elders. The elders primarily 
exist to equip and shepherd the congregation. So you can think about, we've mostly talked about the defensive side of eldering here, but there's an offensive side. We, we, don't, we want to equip everyone to go out and fulfill the Great Commission. We, the reason we're not um, what many people would call a seeker-friendly church, and we, we want to be careful to remove any obstacle, any hurdle outside of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, so we, we care about that, but um, we recognize the gospel is made to go forward through you, not through us putting on a big show on Sunday. And so our, our goal is to equip the members of Orlando Grace to go out and engage the mission as God you know, calls you to engage the mission. We're all called to engage it differently in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in our workplace, and our hope is to get better and better at equipping you to do that. So that's the defensive, the offensive side, and then you as a congregation recognize the elders. That's, that's the election process. Um, and so that, that's how this, this membership structure works. Um, again, for some people, this is, this is yeah, you've always been around this, and for some people it's very new. So I'm gonna pause again, any questions on that triangle? Or additions, if you have them. Where does church discipline fit in here? Yeah, that that would fall in to the defensive side of the elders shepherding. So I think of shepherding. I mean, maybe it's not is there's some overlap, but shepherding and then uh, and then equipping. So I, I mean, I don't mind <clears throat> if you're in this class. I'm gonna tell you what we had. A, I mean, it, we don't always have somebody under discipline, but if somebody. If somebody's going off course, and, and we had this happen um, just a few weeks into my tenure here, off course, um, our, our hope is, well, first, is that other people are going to be, you know, tugging at that person before we even know about it, um, unless it's one of our really close friends. And so that happened in you know, Matthew 18, go to this person, if the person is not going to respond, then you go with another one, and generally that would be... Some, some elders would would approach that person, and that's what happened. The person was not repentant of gross sin, you know. We're, and we're not saying, you know, some churches it gets really weird. Like you're not parenting this way, so you're in sin, and you know, that's not. We're talking about something that all of us would acknowledge as gross sin. Um, to the point, if they don't repent, then then we can't affirm uh, their affirmation of faith. I mean, it gets to the point where I'm not saying you're a believer or not. That's for God but to decide. But we can't, in good conscience, say, yes, you're a believer, which is what we're doing by taking people into membership. Um, and, and obviously we have great precedent in Matthew 18. Go tell him, take somebody else. If, if he still doesn't respond, tell it to the church. Uh, 1 Corinthians 5, there's a situation where, uh, as best I can tell, there's a, there's a guy uh, sleeping with his stepmother. <laughs> And, and Paul's words, they're very strong, but cast, hand this person over to Satan. Like, let, let's give him the desires of his heart. And, and the hope is that the sting of that would cause them to come back. You know, that church discipline is never punitive, really, in heart. It's, it's restorative. It's hoping, it, it's action taken to bring a person back. Um, and then so, you know, here we, we would even probably add the step of come and meet with all the elders. Um, we, want, we want to do whatever we can. Um, and then so very, very sadly, there, there was not repentance. And if you were here the Sunday before, um, before Christmas, I released the congregation. I released everybody and asked if members would come back in. And I had to read 
one of the most heart-wrenching letters I've ever had to read. And we're all praying that this person would come back. And But if, if this person does not come back, then, then we can no longer affirm their affirmation of faith. And so that person would be removed from the membership of Orlando Grace Church. And that can sound, I mean, it, I say that sounds heavy. That is heavy. It is really heavy, but it's not... It's not overbearing. It's, it's restorative. We want somebody to come home who's not coming home. Does that answer your question? In, in the 15 years since basically Kurt kind of replanted our church, um, we've only had four instances where we've had to um, go to that level three, tell it to the church, and level four, um, put out of fellowship. For the most part, church discipline works and it works in a lot of times you know we're just in part of our one another and with, with one another and, and being in each other's lives there's a sense in which we're kind of doing those things without even really recognizing this, right. this like yeah. disciplinary process and the beautiful thing about the church discipline is that for the most part it works yeah and it's pretty rare when when it doesn't and i don't know we like jim said we just take those things try to be very patient and have as, have as long and loving and as many opportunities as possible to mm-hmm. to really um, seek uh, gospel fruit from those things yeah it's a good question yeah, I like how you said it talked about it being restorative I mean it is it's a restorative redemptive process so it, it's it's meant to be positive and to bring people back into the right relationship with the Lord and with us and it's a sobering process too. I mean, I that was a sobering moment when that letter was read. A reminder that all of us need to be on guard. It was to me. Other questions? How many elders are there at Rudy? Is it seven? Seven. Seven. So that's coming up. I'll uh, but I don't mind skipping there. So Mike and I are so it's Mike Graham, myself. Uh, Dan Humbert, Will Powell, uh, Kurt Bowerman, Chuck Mitchell, and Ted Herbach. That's everybody, yeah. Um, and so Mike and I are, we're, we're freed up full-time to elder, basically. We're not like higher elders or anything. We've just been, the, the, work, the workload is significant enough to merit a couple of us being freed up financially to be able to do this all time. Uh, we have different skill sets. Obviously, I'm, I'm freed up more in the, the teaching and, and kind of front things you see. Mike is very gifted in all the things you don't see. He leads the executive functions of this church. Uh, we were saying earlier the website went down this week, and so Mike's spending much of his, his weekend figuring out how the website gets back up. He's working on a strategic plan for the church that you're going to hear about probably at our second family night where we're going. He's walking the elders and the deacons and, and other people through a very strategic process of where we're going and letting everybody know this is where we're, where we're going and how we as staff can be held accountable for what we're doing. Um, there's a lot of the, the systems and structures that are involved in getting where we want to go that fall on him so that it's just a, um, you know, there, there's this old saying that, that a position like mine is what you would call a growth hire. A position like Mike's is, is what you call a sanity hire. <laughs> like it, it just provides so much sanity, and it actually is a growth hire because you can't, 
You know, I'll say at Greece Bible Church, we had a season of explosive growth in, in Oxford. And one Sunday we had a hundred and we counted 128 people who couldn't get in the door <laughs> on a Sunday morning. Uh, and it was really exciting. You know, we had all these people, three services. Not that I like three services, but it a lot of people, it's what we had to do. We didn't, didn't have any more room. But, um, but it, it was a mile wide and an inch deep, you know? The structures weren't there for people to really plug in and connect. And so, you know, the next new fancy church came along and off a few hundred people went. Um, and that's not what we want. We want systems and structures to be able to accommodate the growth that we're experiencing. And that is a lot of what Mike Graham does. So we're freed up to do this full time. Um, you see uh, letter G, there's a breadth and the depth of commitment. Like I said, we don't, we don't want to be a mile wide and an inch deep. And we also don't want to be this holy huddle of like, you know, just a few people who all look alike. And we're really deep, but there's no breadth. Our hope is that there is real breadth. And, and I get that that, that means um, probably you're not going to intimately know every member of this church. You know, but, but the hope is that you would have people that you intimately know and who intimately know you and you get to really um, you get to run with. So both breadth and breadth. Um, questions? Any questions on that? How many deacons? Five? Five. Five. And so um, you have Rick as a deacon. Let's see if I can do this. Uh, uh, Kirk um, Richard is is he oversees most of the finances of the church. Um, you have Chris Wallace who oversees most of the facilities issues. Um, you have Matt West who serves with a lot of legal counsel. He's very obviously taking a whole lot off of us. Well, off of me, not. I mean, you're you're heavily involved in the purchasing of the land. And then uh, Rodney Walton, who uh, just does everything. <laughs> you know, there's lots of little things that pop up here and there that don't fit nicely in categories. Um, honestly, we're, we're, we're having conversations right now. We probably need 10 more deacons right now than we have. And we're, we're figuring out what that looks like. Um, how, again, how to grow well. Good question. Anything else? All right. Uh, a word about conflict. So we, we've put our toes in this water already. Um, the obvi- I mean, I, I think this is obvious to most, but I know it's not obvious to all, so it merits saying. You know, the elders are not the uh, the immediate go-between for all conflict in the church. That, that, that's gossip. <laughs> you know, but the, the, the assumption is if there's real conflict in your lives, the Bible says you go to them first. You talk to them. And then if there's conflict that can't be resolved, we are here to do whatever we can to help resolve your conflict. But Matthew 18, obviously, you know, you go to the person first. Then if, uh, if it's a significant issue um, where a person is in, I mean, in sin, then you can go with another person. And, and an elder would be a good person to try and bring in as a mediator into that situation. Um, yeah, I think we've we've touched on conflict significantly already. Any any questions on on that whole front though? Conflict within the church, church discipline, things like that. <laughs> um. Yeah, just something about the word church discipline. It just sound. I mean, that it, I feel like you miss the heart of what's going on. But you know, maybe you don't. I mean, with my kids, I discipline my kids because I I want so much for them. I want so much more for them. And, that's the heart. I think it's become a negative word in our culture. That's I think that's culture's probably, probably yeah. Right? Yeah, I think that's fair. <clears throat> just add to that is, I mean, it seems like church discipline is not necessarily a discipline as a negative thing, it's more of a growth aspect. Yes. It's like, 
it's it's uh, training it's it's training the people of your church to take that next step forward. You know, to be a little bit more. Yes. And every time I've, and it, like Mike said, it doesn't happen that often, but every time it happens, I feel like the whole congregation grows up a little bit. Um, who are the leaders at Orlando Grace? We have, we have done that. Um, and then uh, you're going to meet, so there are other leaders in this church. I mean, people who lead areas of ministry, you're going to meet in week we switch it week six now, so we I think that's, and that's that's what it has in here, yeah. So uh, Chuck is going the the moderator of elders is going to introduce you to the team, <laughs> all all the people who are leading different areas of ministry, people like Amanda Walton who oversees the children's ministry and some things with the youth ministry and music ministry. Um, so you'll meet more of the leadership, but this is this is specifically talking about the elders and deacons, um, and we've touched on those. And then uh, membership commitments. What is? What are you committing to exactly when you join Orlando Grace? We want this to be very clear. You're committing to attend Sunday mornings when you're in town and healthy, um, uh, and even if it's raining. <laughs> um, and, and yeah, if if you're gone for two months and we don't see you, our hope is that we would know you well enough to call and say, "Hey, Johnny, we've missed you. Everything going all right?" You know, we're not taking attendance or anything, but, but we care about you. So, and, and you add something to every Sunday. So, so the hope is that, well, not just you, you do add, but Sunday, I say this, I think I said this every Discover OGC now, it exists to reorient our minds and hearts so that we will be, have the fuel necessary to enter into our mission Monday through Saturday. So it is, it is imperative for all of us that we're here on Sunday uh, whenever possible. Um, get involved in a community group um, that uh, we have I will say um, community groups it is we have some faithful faithful community group leaders and without whom we would not have a single community group here there has been no institutional leadership of community groups for some time but even so we have a bunch of community groups that are really really meeting and thriving Dan Dan leads one um, that I've yet to visit that's on still really my community meets the same night yours does so it's been very hard but um but we we would love for you to get involved in the community group and i will say um this is a high priority for us as a church to be able to figure out how to provide more institutional leadership to community groups clearly articulate what they exist for how they multiply identify leaders and hosts um I have a map on my desk right now that Mike gave me with every all of Central Florida and where every member lives. And I would say we have an insufficient coverage of community groups related to where people live. Um, Mike and I currently don't have the capacity to, we, to, to address this right now, but we're working to add that capacity to our church. Um, but even so, even with the absence of that kind of direction and leadership, these community groups are sweet groups that largely meet every other um, every other week, and uh, they do different things. But um, we, we, our hope is that if you can, uh, unless you have some really significant um, uh, circumstance, that you would be part of a community group. Uh, third, all members will commit to serve in some capacity at OGC. So I'm going to do something new with this class next week. I am going to have a spiritual gifts test, all right? And this isn't to, like, box you into something. I just People are wired differently. Some people enjoy um, 
being in front of people. Some people enjoy serving behind the scenes. Some people enjoy blowing off leaves you know, or watching. Some people enjoy uh, taking care of kids. Some people don't. So I just realized we're wired differently. So this is an experiment, but our, our staff team is going to, if, if you really don't want to take a spiritual gifts test, it's okay. I'm not going to force you. But our hope is that, that we would be able to kind of just under, because we don't know you really yet, but to be able to identify kind of how you're wired and be able to make suggestions on how you serve that might be more in line with your wiring. Um, and if you hear our suggestion and you're like, no, that's, I don't like it, that's fine. <laughs> we're, just, we're just trying to plug in everybody well. Um, um, to serve at some capacity, you'll, we'll talk about more what those options are in week uh, five and six. Um, fourth, attend our family night meetings. We have, they're fun. I've enjoyed, I enjoyed my first family night meeting in the fall. Um, they're, they're like a fun version of a congregational meeting where you do get some family business taken care of. It, you're not lost in the minutiae. I don't think it's boring. We eat together. Um, our next family night is a week from today, right? Um, we, uh, we have a lot going on at this family night. <laughs> There's a lot. And we're really thankful. I wouldn't have scripted this for my first six months here, but it's just what God has had for us. So there, there's a lot going on. You're going to hear about some things you're probably not aware of. All good things, nothing. Yes? Is that just for members? Or that no, good question. Anybody can come. Okay. But now, members are especially encouraged to come, but anybody can come, yeah. Um, we would hope that you guys would... Yes. You won't feel like it was a waste of your time. Yeah. Um, I, I can't promise that for everyone, but I can promise that for this one. But it is fun. You get we, together. We, we really try to only do these when it's really important. And we, we do them sparingly so as to not to not waste people's time. So. Good question. Um, and then, going to the last page. Yes? Um, on your community groups, how, are, how do you, is that geographically uh, mandated, or do you try to there, find where you fit? There, yeah. There, there, forever, or can you? Yes. <laughs> so, I mean, people, uh, some people choose them based on geography. Of course, the Oviedo group w- doesn't really want to have to go across town <laughs> on, a, on a Friday evening. Um, but, but some groups are, um, I mean, there's some just demographic changes, and some groups do different things. And so some, uh, I know, you know, one couple that joined last time, they, they, they picked a group. There was no group around them, and they picked a group based on some people they knew, and, and, and that worked well. Um, I will say that the real stress point we feel in community groups right now is to come up with a good plan for people with children. <laughs> um, because uh, like the community group I'm in has been kind of the default group if you have kids, and now we have like 20-something kids in a home. <laughs> and it's just it's complicated. And so we're, we're trying that, – that, that to me is like the really super urgent, what do we do here? Um, and, and so we're, we're working on that. Um, but you're, you're free to choose a community group. You're free to test out community groups. You're free to switch uh, when needed. We, we have no plan um, on how groups multiply. I can tell you there have been different ways. I mean, they get full and they split right now. Um, 
but we're hopeful to be a little more proactive in the way that we do that and and not to mandate that everybody split some groups if you just want to stay together that's great my you know the, the kind of community group that i'm kind of drawn to is one that that is more geographically based and, and this group of people who live in it in the same area who are thinking we, we want to reach this area you know we want to have a an oyster roast and invite the neighborhood or you know just we, we want to figure out ways that we can engage unbelievers um, so that, that's but they're not some, some groups just like to meet and they talk about questions of the sermon and some uh, are watching a series and talking about it so yes <laughs> I mean, most of the LifeWay research that's out there says 8 to 20 is the sweet spot. Um, that eight, eight, 8 to 20 people, between 8 and 20. And, and there, there are a lot of reasons. You know, they say you know, 8 is probably the, the – in terms of uh, – it, well, it depends on the goal. Okay, So if the goal is really getting to know each other, 8 is the sweet number. They would say go bigger than 8 because not all the same people will show up every week. Um, but if there's more of an outward focus on a community group, I'm, I think a larger number is, can, can be handled. Um, I'm, I'm also extroverted, so that, you know, my, my answer might be different than your average introvert. <laughs> like a hundred. <laughs> I think some of those things probably depend on just the context that you're in and where, you know, where is the group being hosted, right. what the capacity of those different kinds right. of things are, you know. There's other limiting factors on like parking and like, you know, pain points like children and, you know, those different kinds of things. Well, then so, you need, if you, if, if Blessed pain points. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And y'all have been going to Chuck's, right? And that's gotten big. That, that's gotten huge. Like it's, it and yeah, y'all too. Um, we were invited the very first Sunday we were here. We got invited. That's great. Got invited by two more people, and they all it was all it was the same group. Yeah, that, you know so that it was like we thought. Okay, this is. <laughs> and it, it's gotten so big that I know people have um, like drive up and there's no place to park and they go home. <laughs> so that that's that has happened. Really? Mm-hmm. I've Did been told. Well, of course, we're always the first ones there. So. No. <laughs> well, and ma- maybe, maybe if they were willing to walk a long way. But in any case, um, so that those are those are the kind of things. Like you know, if we would like to have somebody on staff who's helping shepherd all the groups through these <coughs> different issues. And then uh, fifth, because it's more blessed to, re- to give than receive, uh, you're, you are expected to contribute financially to the mission of this church. And hopefully, it, the more you see the mission, the more excited you're going to be to give. Now, I will say, Mike and I do not see who gives what. I, I don't see any of that. I don't want to see that. I, I'm a sinful person, and I would treat you differently if I knew how much you gave. And I don't want to do that. Um, we have other people who do monitor that stuff very closely. But the, the hope is that, that you would, as fits your lifestyle and your budget and your calling, um, regularly contribute to the mission of this church. Just one caveat. I mean, we totally understand that there are different seasons that people go through, and sometimes you might not be in a position where you can give financially. Yeah. That's, that's totally fine. Like, yeah. We get that. We understand. <clears throat> We're just talking long, the long trajectory. Yes. This is between you and the Holy Spirit. Um, 
that add to that? Yes. Very, as Jim said, they don't see the information. They may see overall demographics and by giving units and things like yeah. that, but never, never geographically, never who they are, never by their age or anything like that. It's very secure. Yeah. It's very locked down. So you're, it is. You're, it's really between you and the Lord, as Jim says. Um, and then sixth commitment: Should you move away from Orlando or? Just leave Orlando Grace for some reason. Our hope is that you would, as quickly as you can, find a like-minded church and join it. <laughs> because we, it's, a, it's a blessing for you to be a member somewhere. So if it's not here, we want it to be a, a good Bible-believing church that will love you and care for you to the best of their ability. Um, any question on the commitments of being a member? I, I do really apologize because I wasn't here last week. Yeah. Okay, that's all right. Did you go over the process that the church goes through to elect or decide on the elders and deacons? No, we did. We didn't. Uh, when we, did, I didn't. I don't think I got too into that. Um, no. Do y'all want to take that? You've been through it more than I've never been through that process here. Go ahead. Um, so usually once per year, although there have been a couple of years where we. Have, nomination process so you know we would open up to the congregation um, and just put in a you know pass around in the offering plate you know basically you put you know a name or two in for um, for elder for deacon and then we would compile those um, into a spreadsheet um, we don't let people nominate people who they're like who are in their own family hey so Mike let me can I ask you I'm going to have to run. Would you answer that question and then do section yeah. six on, like, if you join, how do you join? Great. Thank you all. I'll, I'll do that from here so I can be on the thing, the recording. Um, so, um, yeah, so basically, um, yeah, so there's the nomination, and then we compile those. Currently, so we, we want right now to have at least four people independently nominate, like, for an elder, for a, for a deacon, for that office, and so then we contact you know all the people that you know fit that for office of elder and office of deacon, and then um, we see if they had any interest in maybe continuing you know a dialogue about that process or learning about what that process would look like, and then there's a for the people who who do want to continue in that process, then there's um, uh, a long kind of collinear training and observation. So there's stuff you know that pertains to training, and then there's stuff that pertains to observation. So observation is just as simple as we invite the, um, those officers to come to our elder and deacon meetings and just kind of sit and observe. And you know that's kind of like the training by osmosis. And then there's the you know training type training um, as well. And then um, for those you know, not everybody who goes through that, you know, wants to continue, but some do. Um, and those that do, then there's, um, at the end of, you know, at the end of that time, then um, there's a congregational um, Q&A. So um, that's that, and that's the first time that anybody in the congregation, up to that point, it's just, it's a confidential process. Nobody knows, you know, if somebody's candidating or whatever, you know, um, who's been nominated and whatnot, but at the at that point of that Q and A, 
um, those candidates are kind of put before the, the church body. Um, we give lots of advance notice for that congregational Q&A so people can think about that and you know process that, think about some questions they would have. And then, um, then after that Q&A, we have at least two weeks pass before, um, uh, before we take a vote uh, on those officers. Um, the purpose of that um, time frame is, you know, maybe there's a question that you have that's not appropriate, you know, for a public setting. You just want to engage that person privately. Um, so that's that's the that's the process. It's a, it's a long and kind of patient process. Um, there's probably some ways that we might, you know, tighten it up a little bit. Um, also, a written exam. Oh yeah, there's a yeah written yeah there's a written and an oral exam as well. Um, so the, those things happen within, you know, again, during that private, you know, process. So things like, you know, vetting on life and doctrine and practice. And um, it's a pretty thorough process. Um, try to get it right um, as right as you can. So, but it's not a perfect process. Does that answer your question? Because there's no time, right? Once you're a deacon or an elder, you're in. Currently, we have no term limits, but um, it is in the they're, they're in the bylaws, but we've kind of are there been a little stretched. <laughs> so that's probably one of those things we need to revisit. Years, but then the yeah, three years, the, it can like, be extended three years. Uh-huh. Yeah, with a year is a bad call. Yeah. Man, I need to reread those bylaws. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Started by recommending folks to be nominated, and you affirm that process at the end by confirming them. Again, with the elder, with the elders, you know, unanimous recommendation to do so. Yeah, and there's lots of off ramps, you know. There, I mean, sometimes you you got somebody's in the process, and it's just like, mm, it's not a good fit, you know. Like, and sometimes it takes a while to, you know, to to get there or to under you know get to arrive at that conclusion or whatever does that answer your question and then the same do you guys vet your um, at home your network your um, the small community groups That process has been more informal, and that's one of those things that just kind of Jim was alluding to of like wanting to bring a little bit more institutional leadership to to that area. Um, there might be some opportunities that we might have um, later on here this year, which uh, has kind of been exploring where we might be able to have some some devoted staff attention to that. Um, but right now, that has been more of an informal process than a, than a formal one. But it's not still that we've had people like wanting to start one. We're saying you're not ready yet. You know, you need to be attending one for a while longer. So it's informal, but there is a process. You know, not anyone can just say, "Okay, I'm opening up my home yeah. and starting." And, and and really, over probably the overwhelming majority of the community group <coughs> leaders are either elders or deacons. So they've been confirmed in that process, and then they lead the group. Good? Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. So how do you join OGC? It's pretty straightforward um, four-step process. You guys are in the middle of step one, which is attend this class. Um, step two, um, we have um, new member interviews. Um, so that's where basically one household at a time, the adults in it, 
we'll get together um usually with um two of our like two of our church officers so might be two elders two deacons an elder and a deacon some sort of permutation or combination of those things and the whole point of the new member interview is to just see if you can like if you're a christian you don't have to be like you know, a Christian within the Reformed Baptist tradition or any of those different kinds of things. We just want to know that somebody is a follower of Christ. And so what we're trying to see is, can you articulate the very basics of the gospel itself? You know, like, who was Jesus? Why did he come? You know, what was the purpose of his life, his death, and resurrection? That's it. Um, We're not trying to do anything more than that. Um, they are in terms of like vetting of our church members but in order to be a member here you have to be um, a follower of Christ and a Christian we're not going to apologize for that Um, that's our Christian church and that's that's what we want and so it's pretty rare that somebody isn't able to like articulate the gospel but it has happened sometimes and you know in those instances that's fine you know we're just like we just come alongside and that's an awesome opportunity for us to like um that's a great opportunity for us to like just communicate um a little bit uh, about what it is that we believe and um to help somebody drill down on some of those things um it's also an opportunity for us to see like um you know does somebody need or is feeling like the spirit's moving in them to to be baptized as well Remember, interview is also an opportunity for us to get to know you, you know, even more than what we have, you know, here in this class. And sometimes those things help in terms of, oh, this community group might be a good fit or, you know, this, you know, this serving opportunity might be um, a good place. Um, some of those different kinds of things. Um, the third thing is um, some of the paperwork. And so if you look inside um, of your notebooks here. It's just the stuff on the on the left hand side. Um, so it's the the membership application, and you'll see three colored sheets. There's the white. Everyone fills out the white. Everyone fills out the blue. The blue is the church covenant. The white is kind of just some of the more nuts and bolts of you know contact information and um, um, involvement type stuff. Um, the blue is our actual uh, member covenant. And then the green is for anybody who wants to work with anybody who's under 18. So um, anybody who's working with any of our children, um, they're going to be filling out the green. So um, so just ask that um, everybody, probably all the women, it's just probably best to just go ahead and fill out the green. Um, <laughs> no, serious. Um, just because of our, our nursery rotation, it's one of the biggest areas of, of need that we have. Um, uh, but um, if you have something you need to talk to, you know, if you want to talk about that, that's fine too. But um, yeah, so step three is basically the, the paperwork on the left, um, left-hand side of your notebooks. And then the fourth thing is um, after you've gone through this class, you remember interview, filled up fill out the paperwork paperwork you actually fill out before you do the new member interview um and then um the final thing is we do an installation service um on a sunday morning here and um usually we try to do it in a way where you know most of you are able to be to be present and so we do that we have a little reception um after for that so that's the that's the membership process and kind of where do we go um from here any questions on that 
All right, good. I'm going to stop this recording.